0: The Sales Leadership Podcast is brought to you by Exvoyant, the digital sales leadership and coaching platform that's transforming market-leading sales organizations around the world. Be sure to meet with the Exvoyant team at Dreamforce and learn how to transform your Salesforce system from the system of record to your system of action and improvement. You can find details at exvoyant.com. Now, get ready for some serious insights from sales leaders that are making it happen, and remember... Don't worry, we got you. Hello and welcome to the Sales Leadership Podcast, where high-growth sales leaders share high-growth practices and tactics. Today, we're joined by Justin Hyatt, VP of Sales Development for Workfront. Workfront is a platform that helps companies manage work in the digital age. The strength of the Workfront product and and the rate of their growth has been so impressive that Workfront has been part of the Deloitte Fast 500 list for the last five years in a row and been featured on the Forbes Cloud 100 for the last two. Justin's success with Workfront has him featured at industry events like Lost Rainmaker and several other venues. He's a sought-after speaker, a high-impact leader, and we are excited to have him with us today. Justin, thanks for joining us and welcome to the show.
1: Thanks for having me, Rob. Really, really, really looking forward to it.
0: Yeah, man, I've been looking forward to doing this since we started kicking around the idea of having you on. And all that's happened in that amount of time since we started talking about it is you just keep getting better and better with what you're doing at Workfront. Can you take a second and just introduce our listeners to Workfront and what's going on over there?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think you had a great description of what we do. But uh, we're a company located in the Silicon Slopes, Utah area. Uh, For those that haven't been here, it's just a booming, phenomenal place for for technology companies we have a lot of fantastic companies that are friends here in utah and like you said workfronts um, a digital work management platform and we do everything from helping people on the tactical side of projects all the way through leading companies through their digital transformation initiatives so we have a very very broad use case with a lot of our clients uh, prospective clients and we're really really proud of the work we do because we can actually fundamentally change the way people work um, and, and we're really proud
0: of that. Yeah. Your, your, your customer base is impressive. It's thousands of organizations and it's all around the world. And it's gotta be cool to watch how your product, uh, goes in and helps them do what you said, that digital transformation. It's, it's something that affects every part of the business. And I have to imagine that it's gotta be cool to hear, to watch how your product changes companies and makes them faster, better, more effective.
1: It is. Yeah. Digital transformation is on the forefront of many executives at, at any size of company and being able to have a platform that can have, help lead them through that. You know, having something that can really fundamentally change and improve and help companies is really, really exciting to sell. So it's one of the really big reasons I came to work for Awesome.
0: So, so you've been there. You're coming up, uh, you're coming up on your first year with the organization. You join Workfront. You know, they've been around for a little bit. They've done some good things. You're, you're joining a high performing organization already. And they bring you in and you've had some interesting things happen under your leadership. You've taken a a company that's a high performer and you found ways to accelerate the growth. I want to talk about that for a second. Can you share a little bit what's happened for the last year and and how have you done that? How do you create impact as an executive with something that's already doing well?
1: Yeah, I mean, um, the company has just been um, a staple of steadiness and consistency. Um, You know, I, I came on board and they brought me in just to kind of inject a little bit of my expertise and, and really ultimately build a scalable model as we continue to grow, um, which is really, really exciting to me. You know, the, the group here had some really, really good things going for it, um, but it actually had some areas that needed some improvement as well, uh, you know, especially on the cultural side. Like, we were really looking to build, like, this sales dev engine in this group that could build high-quality pipeline for the company. Um, so, you know, my job was to come in and, and kind of create a culture that I've created at some other companies and really just set us up to to scale and grow going into the future. And that's what I've been doing the last almost year.
0: Okay. So you come in and you do that and, and, and you certainly have the, the stories, uh, that uh, have happened as you've created that pipeline to fuel the growth, you know, you can't argue with them and the, the results speak for themselves. And that's why so many people are so interested in your story as you come in and you, and you're doing that, Well, the first question that I would ask Justin is, how do you come into a place when you're winning and have people don't say, "Hey, Justin, we know what we're doing. Just don't screw this up." How do you win them (laughs) over? How do you have them say, "Let's make some changes." That's got to be a a interesting balancing act that you have.
1: Yeah, it can be tough. And you know, I've uh, outside of my time at Oracle, I've I've done that at the last three places that I've essentially Mm -hmm. been um Hired to to build and scale an organization, you know what it, it really starts with just being a, an observer and a listener and, and understanding the current state of both the company, the business, and also the group that you're leading. Um, you know there are things, no matter where you go, that are working. So it's really important to not think that everything is, needs to be fixed, uh, but understand what's actually working, so you can double down on those efforts, and then also understand you know where where problems are occurring. You know, I, I think the quickest one anyone can have going into an organization and trying to build trust and win people over is just removing roadblocks and obstacles. You know, when I came in, I, I spent a good thirty days just getting in the trenches, understanding what my people were going through, what are some of the challenges they have, what was working well, and then understanding some of the challenges. You know, I just put a really quick plan in place to just remove some of these for them, and that's that's the easiest way to win people over. So. I've never ever gone into anywhere thinking I know it all. I'll never know it all. I don't know it all. Um, but unfortunately, I've had some experience and, and learned from some great people that, you know, there are things that
0: tend to work places. If you understand the business, you can look to implement those things. Yeah, I like that. So the, so rather than come in and say, I'm going to change how you do things. The first thing you came in and say, I'm going to find ways to make things a little more, uh, efficient might be the wrong word, less problematic. I'm going to make the hurt. Instead of jumping over high hurdles, it's going to be low hurdles or maybe no hurdles, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like, look, I'm going to come in. I'm going to understand what you're going through. And then we're going to work together to kind of make your job a bit easier. And it is productivity and efficiency and sales development. Like, the job is a grind no matter where you go. Um, so allowing people and making them more efficient and providing an environment to, where success might come a little bit easier, uh, it can really win people over quite well.
0: So let's stay in this for a minute because I like this. This is a really good place to start. And a lot of our listeners are either new to their jobs or they're finding trying to find ways to accelerate again. And uh, you came into something and you said, I'm going to come in and start with roadblocks. And you know, if you just come in and said, well, I'm going to remove the roadblocks. There might be some people that say, "Hey,, well, we're already doing pretty good here. How do you find the roadblocks? Is there a way to find the roadblocks without coming off as the know-it all?
1: Yeah, I think uh, it's just spending a really, really strong amount of time um, understanding what they're going through. So you know, I started with my management team, actually my senior management team and then my management team, just talking to each of them about their team, what their team's doing well. And then, really, most importantly, like where are you guys struggling what what's keeping you back? what's holding you back? What's holding you back from getting to the top level of performance where you want to be and uh, man, I listened for a long, long time, took a ton of notes, and then I just started to formulate a plan. Now, you know, I was careful on how I rolled that out. What I actually did here is I spun up what I call focus groups um, of different parts of the the organization that I wanted that were really important to me. One was culture, one was our strategy, our sales strategy. Another was kind of our technology, like do we have the right tech stack? And then finally it was like kind of talent and enablement. Like are we hiring the right people, are we retaining our talent, are we training them the right way? So essentially I empowered my group to be part and to be the catalyst of the actual change. So when I started to formulate plans, I essentially just threw it right at them and said, what do you guys think? And some of it they love, some of it they're like, we're not sure if that will work or can we offer our opinion? And I'm like, of course you can. So we actually started through these focus groups is how I actually launched any kind of change. Even our comp plans had eyes on it from, from my frontline employees before we made any kind of changes to it. So that ability to empower people and make them part of change and what you're building and what you develop, I think won people over for me. I felt very low risk because I knew people felt good about what we were about to do. And most importantly, and, and kind of the coolest part is we just sped right into the change and there wasn't any kind of ramp or late, late period because people were you know a little bit shocked by it. And it worked great. I mean, we immediately started improving performance or increasing performance here at Workfront.
0: That's a great story. I I really like the focus of saying let's find different types of roadblocks, and and I love the gamut. You know, it started in things that you might suspect, and then extended to tech and people, and and even comp, and you made them part of that. Did that create quick wins for you internally? I mean, both productivity wins, but but how about political or, or professional, like? Those trust earning ones, did that help do that for you?
1: Yeah, I mean, um, obviously the, the quickest thing you're going to see is like increase in productivity in a role like sales development. So we absolutely did. I mean, we, we increased our activity, which in then turn increased our results, right? Because activity equals results in a role like this typically. But yeah, most importantly, you know, we built, we started to build a really strong culture that, you know, everyone felt that they were a part of because they were a part of building it. Right. Like they really held, they held each other accountable. They had ownership over it and we were kind of all in it together. And, you know, I have a servant leadership style and it's not anything I came up with. Fortunately, I've, I've led under some really, really strong leaders and I, I truly firmly believe it and I live it here. And it's like, like I'm here to serve you and create an environment for you to be successful and grow up professionally and make some good money and have fun. And, and that's, you know, what I told them from the moment I set foot in this place. And, you know, I think they trust you. You start with trust and you can lose it. And, you know, it's been good ever since.
0: I love this because this isn't actually a different uh, angle than I expected our conversation would go, uh, Justin. And as I'm looking at my notes, one of the things that occurs to me is, my question to you is how do you come into something that's already high performing and create impact? And your answer is, uh, I come in and I find ways to remove roadblocks. So it's not coming in. This is my playbook. This is how we do things. This is what's going to happen. It's, we're going to look at every part of the process and we're just going to start moving whatever the bumps are. We're going to start eliminating those. And I, I would imagine that the result is what you said. It's wins, it's productivity but you're probably evolving the process without saying we're changing the process.
1: Exactly. Yeah. I mean, any, anyone who has a, a good level of experience and brings that experience into a new company, I mean, day one, you see things and you're like, yep, <laughs> we need to change that. Uh, you just you don't do it right away. So you, you, it's really coming down to getting buy-in from people. Um, but yeah. Because I mean, we, we changed a lot here. We changed the way, you know, uh, we prospect people. We changed the way we were doing account based selling. We, were, we changed our comp plan. I mean, we, we changed a lot, but throughout the course of it, you know, my people were a part of that change and we able to build. And it, it, it really isn't hard to get people on board with what you're doing. If they're a part of it, yeah. and, you know, there, there's a box there, right? Like um, I didn't allow them to create their own comp plan, but it was kind of guiding them into, well, what if we do this or what if we do this? And, you know, the, the end result of what they wanted to do made a ton of sense, and, and we went with it. So And they even rolled it out. Um, we create a promotional track for people here. They created that. Like, how do you guys want to advance, and how do you want to get promoted, and what timeline? Great, let's put it together. So I could go on and on about about the things we do, but, you know, it, it's, it's trusting your people to build what you want to build with you, and, and that's kind of what servant leadership is all about, and that's what we've done here at Workfront.
0: That's awesome. I can see why that's led to you having such quick, uh, success in so many different areas because it's not saying it's my way, it's, it's what's the right way. And you guys empower them to do Great story. I appreciate it. That's, let's shift off of that one because I could stay in this one. But what I, what I want to get to now, Justin, is, and I, and I've already got a sense of it as I've listened to you. So you've been a sales leader at Workfront with great success, but also you've been at other places. You, you've shared that with us on this, on this call, on this interview already. Mm hmm. As you think about your blueprint, your go-to as a sales leader, and you know your job, we all sign up for it. When we're a sales leader, now it's not just individual contribution, now it's creating team growth and ongoing growth, right? It just never stops. We have to keep growing. Fair to say? Very fair. Yes. Okay. So we run to that. We don't run from it. What are your non-negotiables in your blueprint for creating ongoing growth in a sales team? I'm super interested here because you have a really unique challenge because you're not starting from scratch and you're not just trying to maintain, you're taking a high performer and saying We are just getting started. How do we grow? What are your non-negotiables?
1: Yeah. So first and foremost, it's creating like an organizational or team culture. Um, you know, I, I worked at HubSpot, which to me is one of the best, if not best, companies around creating a positive culture. So I've, I've been fortunate to take a lot of their best practices and implement them places I've been, including here at Workfront. Um, one of my biggest challenges as a leader in sales development is retaining talent. Um, everyone in the Valley here in Utah and across the country is hiring SDRs, <laughs> everybody. Everybody. Um, so at any point, someone can pick up everything and go get a job anywhere because these are smart, talented people. Uh, so it's creating that culture of retaining talent, um, so they don't go anywhere, and that's ultimately creating, creating you know a promotional track, a career path. So my non-negotiables is I have to have buy-in from my leadership as well as the sales organization that. You know, we're going to hire from within because we trust that you're going to create a promotional track. You're going to create a career development track from them. And essentially, you're going to get these ready, these guys ready to be great salespeople. So, you know, my number one goal is building high-quality pipeline. But 1B is being a feeder system for the sales organization. So um, I honestly would never go work at a company that isn't interested in hiring my people into sales. Like, that is what I'm trying to build. So that, first and foremost, is, is definitely a must-have for me. Um, outside of that, you know, the brand of your company and even the culture of your company is your strongest recruiting tool. So it it really helps to get the talent level you want and the candidate profile you're hiring to in mass because we're growing and we're scaling very quickly. If you have a very strong company brand. So that, that is extremely important to me as well. Being able to have a product or service that people really need and want is really, really important. Um, That I mean, Workfront, we have such a broad use case for so many people, and we fundamentally really help the way people work. Like, that is super exciting to get excited about as you come into work and for my people when they're hitting the phone. So that is obviously something that's really important. And then finally, you know, an an innovative environment, you know, an ambitious organization, ambitious people that set really high goals, set the bar high you know, want are really, really hungry for success and want to be challenged and get out of their comfort zone. Like that, that, if you think about the companies that have had massive, massive growth, you know, they do that. Like they set amazing goals. They set the bar extremely high. They're innovative. They're disruptive. Um, they'll create categories. Like, I mean, that is what I want. And, you know, I think that excites people and, and really keeps them on their toes. And, and doing a good job every single day. So those are I probably keep going on and on, but those would kind of be my non-starters.
0: So Justin, that's that's uh I love that as a starter for the non-negotiables. You start with things like culture, and it includes things like product, and and you finished with ambition. I don't I don't know that we can dive into all of them in depth, but I'd like to pick one or two of them if if that's okay. Sure, absolutely. And I, I want to start with with the ambition one for a second. There's a thing that has been a really common theme on the podcast that I think almost every single, uh, sales leader has talked about, and that's around this. How do you get people, uh, keep them in this, the state of motivation? Because my thinking is, I'm not sure what you think, and, and it's, it's kind of been a common theme. You don't motivate people you hire motivated people they motivated people are attracted to it and this fake motivation with games and stuff like that doesn't mm-hmm. seem to do much how do you make part of your leadership strategy keeping people uh, successful without relying on things like games and stuff like that
1: yeah that's a great question to your point it all starts with hiring the right person like you, at the end of the day you can really only want something as much as someone wants it for themselves and there are times where you can Help motivate people or get them out of a proverbial dip, for example, or a performance slump. But at the end of the day, like they have to have that inner ticker and, and want things from themselves. So it, it does come, come up to hiring. I mean, we have a very strict and strong candidate profile where, um, how motivated they are, how they define success, how strongly they set goals, like that is part of our, our hiring process, we even interview and ask questions around those things. We're trying to bring in to your point, very, very motivated people Um, outside of that. To me, it's, it's always understanding, you know, how your people are feeling and then ultimately like what is actually motivating them? I don't think enough sales leaders or leaders in general just ask and have these conversations with people around, Hey, tell me what motivates you or what's the latest goal you've set for yourself. So we've created a very, very heavy goal-oriented culture here, um, mm. and we even have a coaching style that is all around the goal. We um, call it grow coaching, and I'm sure other people use it. Yeah. So I mean, we're we're very, very goal-focused because if, if you know what your people are striving for, you know you can. That's a lever like that. You can help them, you know, push through and, and be motivated by those things and those conversations happen once a month with our people so we're because they can change so we're we're always talking about it so i guess the the simple answer the long story short answer is just talk about it talk about it with your people and understand what motivates them
0: yeah i i'm really glad that you're sharing that because one of the things we haven't dove into very deep on the podcast yet is Ever, a lot of people talk about hiring people that are motivated. And I like that you share some of these things like what was your last goal or what are some things? How, can you share a couple more ideas on when you're recruiting people? How do you know if they're goal-oriented? Is, is it as simple as saying what are your goals?
1: Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm a firm believer kind of in the behavioral interviewing that Google made famous. Um, you know, People really can't fake their way through a behavioral interview uh, because you're essentially asking open-ended questions that require them to tell a story. And, and what's even cooler for this position is if they're really good storytellers, they're probably going to be great SDRs. So you almost killed two birds with one stone. But, yeah, we really dive into, you know, what's the latest goal you've set for yourself? Why is that important to you? What types of things have you been doing to achieve that goal? What's a risk or what's standing in your way? How do you plan on, you know, addressing? I mean, we really layer and peel back the onion when it comes to that. Um, but yeah, it is as simple as talking and asking about it, and then understanding what good looks like, what what kind of answer you're looking for in terms of um, you know the questions you're asking around goals or whatever it else might be.
0: Awesome. Let's go to you. You talked about the the product is a key non negotiable. You want to make sure that you have robustness there. And one of the things that you mentioned that I was taking notes on as you spoke was it's really exciting just how broad uh, the application of the Workfront product is. One of the things that I'd love for you to just take a second and talk about is how do you take something so broad like that and then find, you know, customer profiles? You know, you talked about account-based selling. So how do you how do you take something that broad and look for the triggers? I think that that's going to be a really interesting thing for you to go into for our listeners because you're not doing just one thing for one person. You could actually solve lots of problems, and that sometimes might have your SDRs not knowing who to call. How do you help them uh, take a broad product to specific people?
1: Yeah. So, um, you know, there are problems or pains that our platform solves for certain people differently. Um, so at the end of the day, we're very, uh, we, we really dive into and understand our personas. So, you know, one person in a certain industry like marketing might use it much differently than someone in it. And and we train extensively on understanding our personas. So, you know, we obviously have, you know, territories and accounts, but at the end of the day, it's, you know, why, why should this person care to talk to you and how can you help improve the work they do? And, um, you know, we have a ton of great content on it. We have a phenomenal enablement plan and it takes a long, long time for people to get comfortable with it. So there is kind of a ramp period there. Um, But, you know, we we have a playbook that that helps guide people in terms of, you know, these are the people we sell to and here's what they care about and here's how Workfront can help their world and the work they do. And um, that's kind of how we go in and we target an account. So you might have, you know four or five, even six different plays in terms of personas within one account. And it it can be a much, much different conversation. So Mm -hmm. that's kind of how you take a broad platform and then you got to squeeze it and be very targeted in terms of, okay, this is how we can help these people, right? Um, So that's kind of like um, an accordion. That's how we kind of stretch it out and squeeze (laughs) it in
0: that 's awesome so does do your managers then do they take a pretty active role in coaching that playbook on how they squeeze the accordion
1: absolutely i mean we We have a coaching culture here um, you know we We do in row coaching, we listen to call recordings, we do role plays. Um, we do a, a persona training every single week where the managers are there. And then the following week, so every other week we rotate, they go into a workshop and it's kind of on our, our people to say, Hey, I'm kind of struggling with this. We'll do some more role playing around. It might be our value proposition. It could be objection handling. Uh, and that, that is an expectation for me. Like I, I expect my, my leaders and my managers to be the best coaches because in my opinion, the, the best managers are the best coaches so and that is, that's something we've developed that, that didn't exist when I started here. But, you know, when when you you kind of tell people and give them a good framework to coach and they start doing it and like 99 percent of the time, like, wow, that works really, really well. And then they're just totally bought into it. So we do we do definitely have a very, very um, strong coaching culture here
0: and we're still building it. Let's stay on that for a second, because as you know, x one is a coaching company and we just got done releasing a study with Keenan. Shout out to Keenan. And we did with Gong as well that was the state of the coaching world right now. And I, there was a, there's a thing that released in there that I want to get your take on. And I know you haven't seen it yet. So I'm excited to get an unplugged answer out of you, Justin. Honestly. Okay. Um, one of the things that we found was, first of all, there's a coaching gap that very few, it's like 48% of the reps say that their manager actually tries to coach them. Mm -hmm. But 83% of the managers think that they're really good at coaching. That's not the unplugged answer. That gap you and I have already talked about, you know, there is a gap. It's a huge differentiator for you to be so good at coaching because most really aren't. Here's what I want to talk about. When a rep says they actually do get coached, when they say, yep, someone coaches me and my my manager gave me something to do. The study that Keenan put together found roughly 90%. It's like 89% of the time the rep goes out there and actually tries to do it. Mm-hmm. Is that consistent with what you're experiencing at workfront?
1: Oh, I think absolutely. I think I, I do believe there's absolutely a, a coaching gap. Um, and I'm, I'm not shocked that some managers think that they do coach. I think in those instances, it's, it's more of playing super rep and telling someone to do instead of guiding them or leading them through what they should do. Um, and, and and people can err on that. At least it's making an effort. But at the end of the day, the rep doesn't feel like they're getting the right coaching and the right enablement from people. Um, but I, I absolutely like I know when, you know, when when we teach something or our, our reps are coaching on something, and I go back and I listen to that call, I can tell fundamentally hear the difference. So um, you know, that, that's where my managers bought into it. You know, when they, when they would go through like a skill or even maybe some messaging that someone wasn't doing, say, Hey, try this. Or, you know, why, why do you think that's not working for you? They really talk through it and they get the rep to understand what they should be doing and they go and they try it and it works. Um, I mean, it's just, it's, it's awesome to see how much people buy into that.
0: Does that fuel that motivation component that we were talking about early on, that as they get that leadership and that interaction in a one-on-one setting and sometimes a team setting, do you find that that helps drive that motivation thing that we just talked about as one of your non-negotiables? I absolutely
1: do. I think, one, we we hire learners here. We want – we – Coachability is part of our candidate profile, so we, we hire people that want to be coached, that want to learn. Um, I've even had some people here hold – my manager's accountable and they haven't maybe done a good job that week of coaching. Um, uh, cause we, we track it. Um, but it's absolutely non-starter. And, um, I think that at at the end of the day, like the, these guys are there, they actually care more about developing skill and having pride in the quality of their work than they do. Probably the money they make. I mean, it's the millennial type culture and, you know, so it's really, really important that you're developing that skill and giving them the tools, the resources and the skill, you know, to be proud of their work and that they feel like their work is making an impact. And that that's not going to be the case if they don't feel like they're enabled enough to do it well.
0: I love that. I, 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 that's the kind of thing I hope our listeners go back and listen to you say that again. That's a really good kind of aha moment for me to hear you say that, that they're proud of that part of their work. And that's, to me an indication that you have the right people helping you kind of lead that ship that you're driving. So Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I uh, go, I'm pissed off because we're starting to, we're not out of time yet, but I'm looking at the clock. We're starting to run out of it. And I got more stuff I want to talk to you about, dude. Um, all
1: right.
0: Let's go fast. Let's go fast, man. <laughs> I, I'm looking at at all of these things and, and I'm, I'm I'm going off of what my kind of thinking was, you're good at this coaching thing and it's this thing that you hire for. And it's this thing that's fueling the motivation. Can you give me kind of your thoughts? What makes for good coaching? If you're going to say we're good at it, what are the, what, what are the things that make your leaders proud of their work when they have that input pack at workfront?
1: Yeah. What makes good coaching? I think, um, to me, there's like two types of coaching. There's skill development. And then there's kind of coaching through goals. Um, And that's really really where the motivation factor comes in. Um, I think, you know, what if I were to ask my managers that question, it's when they see someone kind of perk up or get more motivated based on the conversation they've had with them. Or they see that, you know, what's cool about this role, if you tell them to, you know, or you talk to them about doing something and they go do it and it works really, really well, like they're pumped about it. Um, so I think like any really good manager wants to see success for their team over themselves. So when they, when they see their coaching effort pay off and drive results, but most importantly, like lead people to feel better about the job they're doing and get pumped about it. I I think that's just, it's, it's hard to explain, but that's really what it's all about when it comes to being a leader, you know, senior people grow, senior people be successful, senior people learn things. Um, and that's essentially, you know how i I manage good coaching is just just the, the vibe and and how i 'm getting from people there is there is definitely a more scientific way to do it absolutely, but at the end of the day it's it's you know how people are feeling about their job and their ability to do it and the skill they're developing.
0: Is it important to delineate and ha and this is again i 'm just kind of going into this now, so I apologize that we didn't. You know, if you weren't, we didn't talk about this before we got started, but is it important for a rep to know we're not just having a conversation and now we're in a coaching moment? Is, is it important to delineate that? I know a lot of great coaching comes just on the fly, but is it important to schedule time where they know the reason we're doing this is to try and level up?
1: Yeah, I absolutely do. Um, we basically kind of have three types of coaching scheduled and um, scheduled coaching where you usually be going into a pretty in-depth conversation around, you know, professional development goals, things like that. Like, I think you absolutely have to have those things scheduled because it takes both parties, the manager and the rep being prepared for that conversation. Like there's absolutely prep work that goes into effective coaching from both people. Um, I also think there's in moment coaching, you know, most of the managers are sitting in a row and they hear things, Um, or they get asked for advice, very, very ad hoc and, and they have to respond to it quite quickly. Like that doesn't have to be scheduled. That can just happen. Um, so yeah, I think, I think there's an opportunity to do both and we actually talk about both here and that, that the manager should be doing both, both with the reps.
0: Do you, do you find that reps knowing that they have scheduled times where they're going to get to sit down and talk about how to get better? What does that do? Does that help you with that? I want to keep my right people. I want to develop my people. Is that something that the reps appreciate in your experience?
1: Oh yeah, they absolutely do. Like I said before, I think if, if, if someone's starting to flake a little bit on that, like on the manager side, um, I have a, a tool to where I get anonymous feedback and I've had reps post on there saying, you know, my manager says they're going to, coach or listen to my calls or do this and they haven't been doing it uh, so they absolutely expect it I think any great company um, this will be part of the the manager's um, day or week and they absolutely expect it especially the people we hire again we're, we're hiring people that are coachable and want to learn so if they're not getting it they're going to be noisy and I would expect them to be
0: I love that. That's a good place to finish the coaching conversation just because of time. And someday we'll we'll probably have to circle back, Justin, you know, six, eight months from now. We'll we'll just pick that and do a deeper dive just on that.
1: Yeah, I get the advice I'd give to any ref listening to this. Like if you're not getting what you want um, in terms of coaching and learning, you have to say something. It, it, is, it is a company's goal and right to provide you with that, in my opinion. And that's my opinion. I'm sure people disagree with it, but you got to go ask for what you're not getting.
0: Is it worth quitting companies if you're not getting coaching? Yes. Fun? I believe it is. Absolutely. You know, I agree with you on that. I wasn't that. So I love that. So, okay. Let's, we're, we're running low, dude. I'm going to finish this the way that I finished everything. This has been, first of all, epic. Awesome. I, it's very and, clear. It's very clear to me why workfront continues to accelerate growth rather than just stay on the growth pattern that they're on. You know, the bigger you get, the harder it is to grow, and you have to continue to do the things you're doing. I, I love how you're bringing change, not by saying I'm bringing change, but by saying let's attack the challenges one at a time. I love it. It's such a yeah. great way to do it. Thank you. So I'm going to finish the way I finish everything. Question one: As you look over your career, and it can be at Workfront or anywhere else that you were, biggest uh, leadership challenge you've had to face, and how'd you overcome it? Uh,
1: for me personally, or just kind of in general for my in my role.
0: Either I don't care. Either.
1: Yeah, I mean, the, the biggest challenge I consistently face, and I'm I'm so mindful of, and it's why culture is so important to me, is is really keeping the people that you spend so much time, you know, hiring or recruiting, and then hiring and then enabling um, to be successful here at the company. Like I I am such a strong believer in, in talent retention and growing talent and getting. People promote it that you know that's always at the forefront, and it's always extremely, extremely challenging in this role. So, as a leader of a sales development organization now, going on gosh, probably ten years, that that is always the hardest thing for me to do, and it's something that really drives and motivates me every day. Like I'm always thinking about it when I make decisions, and and candidly, I think it's allowed me to make really, really good decisions and build strong cultures and things like that. But it's always been a challenge. It's always going to be a challenge. I think. Anyone in, in, in this role anywhere at any level needs to have a really strong talent retention and development strategy. Um, otherwise, you know, we talk about growth. If you got 30 40% of your organization, which I believe is the average for this role, exiting your company and going to working elsewhere, it's going to be really, really hard for you to grow, grow. So I have a goal in the 90s, and I'm usually wow. there. So it's ambitious and it's strong. And, um, you know, but that's it's always a challenge, though. It's always, always a challenge.
0: 90% I am so glad you shared that 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 sets a high bar for everybody that's listening and the fact that you're doing it means it can be done and that's that's awesome and I it think it can that should, be done yeah if it takes
1: a strong effort and, and <laughs>
0: awesome. the play, and the playbook you shared gives us a lot of, of insight to how you do that it starts with hiring the right people creating a culture where they can advance and there's reason to stay and, and I exactly. think exactly and I think it finishes with what you said they got to know you're investing in them or else what's the reason to stay
1: Exactly. Yeah. And it's a servant leadership mindset. It's, you know, you are here to, to do what you can to make them successful. And if you do that, like, why would they leave? Why would they leave? So that, that's, that's kind of how I'd summarize that up.
0: Last thing that we always ask everyone, you know, one of the common things for high growth leaders is leaders thirst for what's next. These, the high growth ones are never saying I got it. They're always growing. And what we found is leaders are readers very often. Anything that you would recommend a high growth leader ought to add to their library of things they've read.
1: Yeah, I don't, you know, this is pretty particular to who I am and you know, the people I work with, but, and I don't know how much it actually ties the growth, but I'm a massive fan of grit Angela Duckworth. Um, it's it's a book that I think anyone um, that needs any kind of motivation or is coaching people to be motivated can really leverage and learn a lot from. I think she does a phenomenal job telling stories throughout the book to prove points anywhere from you know hiring or uh, interviewing people at West Point to Pete Carroll of the Seahawks. It's a lot of really, really good stories about what grit is, how you test for grit. Because at the end of the day, she even used the scientific formula that people that are more gritty perform better and being in a sales role, that's that's really important. And we've even pivoted our candidate profile to include grit. So we actually even interview and test for it when we bring people in. Love that one. Um, for the leaders out there, I love radical candor. Mm. Um, like Kim Scott, it's just it, it's never easy to have candid conversations with people. But, man, she has a ton of really, really good tips in that book to um, do them effectively and and ultimately get you really, really comfortable with it. And then, um, you know, I love the Daniel Pink books for, you know, kind of recent college grads or really junior – I shouldn't use the word junior – early on (laughs) – it's a stupid word. I hate it. Um, Early on salespeople because um, I just think it like – like to sell as human and drive, like these – These books really like humanize the sales experience, which I'm a huge fan of. So I always recommend those to people as well.
0: Those are awesome. All three are new to the list. We'll get them on our library on the webpage for uh, sales leadership books. I appreciate it so much. Justin, this went faster even than I expected. Congratulations to you on your success. Tip of the cap to what you've done there and and the entire Workfront team. You know, you guys have something special over there and I'm very, very grateful that you would take a little bit of your time and come share some of your tips with our, with our group. Uh, Any final thoughts as we finish? No, I
1: just want to thank you again for your time, and um, I really, really enjoy this, and I'm hope, hoping that people listen, learn something from it, and connect with me on LinkedIn. I, I spend a ton of time talking about these things because I'm passionate about it, and and you know my tips aren't secrets. I love sharing them with people, so I'm always open
0: to doing that. So yeah, that was how I was going to finish. How do they find you? It's on LinkedIn. Anything else besides LinkedIn that they should look at?
1: You know, I, I'm just such a huge fan of LinkedIn. I, I spend most of my time on LinkedIn. That would be the best spot.
0: Okay. He diagnoses before he prescribes. He is in the roadblock go. removal business. He is Justin Hyatt, helping lead the charge of keeping Workfront not just uh, in, in the growth phase they're in, but finding that next level. Justin, you're amazing. Your team is killing it. I am so grateful to have the opportunity to have you on our show. Thank you so much and happy selling. Thank you, Rob. You too. Hi again, and welcome to another So What portion of the Sales Leadership Podcast, where we break things down and we ask ourselves, why did that conversation even matter? I hope you enjoyed listening to Justin. I've been excited to have him on the show for a long time, because Justin has this well-earned reputation as a guy that's worked for some of the greatest companies in, in in the world, and he's emerged as a guy uniquely qualified to help move from a place where you're doing great. To finding still that next gear. And to do that, you've got to be able to get people to change things. So I was really interested to how he would share his approach to change. Because it's no secret that change paralyzes people. That fear of change leaves people in you know, a sub situation all the time. And, and sometimes justifiably so, not all change is good. There's something to the old statement of no one got fired for hiring IBM. And that fear of change is something that we as leaders have to find a way to address. And it starts with what do they fear? You know, They fear things like the unknown. They fear failure. They, fe- they fear success. They, fe- they fear loss. If we do this, what changes? What goes away that I like? They-, they fear pissing someone off or relationship changes. But I think most of all, what we fear is we fear of leaving that comfort zone, right? We fear having something that we're comfortable with, maybe becoming uncomfortable and you know, the best example of this, we've all seen people that stayed in a, in a negative relationship just because they know what they got, right? So in order for us to be a high-growth company and a high-growth sales leader, we have to have a way of transforming the anxiety around change into something that they're excited about. The excitement of what's coming has to be something that we transfer that anxiety away from and to. And I think Justin gave us four trades that we have to intentionally make to make it happen. I'm going to go fast, okay? Number one, it's about ownership. You've got to get people to trade complacency for innovation. The only way that I think we can do it is the way that Justin did it, where he came in and transferred the ownership from him to the team. Came in and he said, yeah, I saw plenty of things. Yep, got to change that. Yep, got to change that. But he didn't do it. He diagnosed before he prescribed, and then he assembled the people. And they started with roadblocks. Let's get better. Let's make it easier. Let's make it more efficient. And he allowed them to be the ones that were the architects of how they did it. Now, what was cool about this is not only did it get him quick wins, and not only did it build credibility, but it, it built trust. So they knew that he was concerned about the people more than the process, and even more than his own professional agendas. Okay, uh, Making that trade made it so they could have number two, and it's about motion. As a company, if we're going to be in high growth mode, we just can't be steady as she goes. We have to trade steady as she goes for a fear of being passed up, okay? That fear of of same has to be not as scary as the fear of having someone pass you up. Status quo should scare the crap out of everyone on our organization if we're going to try to have this kind of growth. And. How did he do it? He surrounded himself with really ambitious people. He talked about hiring people that were goal oriented. You know, he gave a great blueprint on how to hire people knowing that they're motivated internally because he's like so many of our others. You can't fake motivate, you know? He said it himself again, just like almost every leader has said. I don't motivate people. I hire motivated people and then help them win. If you're trying to artificially motivate people with games and things like that, competitions, it doesn't work. It just does uh for a minute, okay? we got to find people that are internally motivated so then we can have this culture of mo- of motion. It drove innovation. It drove practice. It drove feedback. And that led to number three. One of the biggest things he said he brought was coaching. What did they do? They traded managing for inspiring. Critics became cheerleaders and coaches. And he, he really gave us a killer blueprint that he says, I expect my managers to be the best at this. Uh, two things that are worth pointing out. Every rep on the team needs to expect they're going to have a time with a one-on-one with frequency where they're going to meet with a leader and know that we're going to talk about how to improve. He also talked about if you don't do that, that you should scream from the rooftops that I should be having that kind of help. And not getting coaching is worth quitting over, okay? Not getting coaching is worth quitting over because his experiences, when they get those coaching moments, they go out and change. They go out and they make those changes and they make them fast, okay? And that led to the last one. Are you helping people intentionally improve? To do this, you have to trade cadence for course. Send another way, trade my way for my pathway. Now, this is super important because I loved how he finished this. He pointed out that in the SDR world, 30 to 40% turnover is the norm. Okay, Justin's target is 90% retention, and he's getting it. And the reason he's getting it is because they have the ownership. They're in a forward motion. They're getting the coaching so they know what's happening. But I think that he talked about one of his non-negotiables as going to the people in the rest of the sales work saying, I need to know that you'll look first to hire people from me. I'm going to help build the world's greatest salespeople for you, and you're going to have to give them a place to go. So he does a great job making sure that they see why improvement matters. Improvement matters in the current job in terms of compensation, and improvement matters in the career because of where it's going to take me. I hope that those are things that you can say, these are trades that I'll make in my organization as well. And when I do, it'll get me the same kind of improvement and growth that it did at Workfront. I want to thank you for listening to the podcast. You keep listening, and we'll keep getting the world's best sales leaders on here sharing their blueprints with you. Please like us, please give us comments, and please tell your friends to give us a listen. And as always, remember, don't worry, just execute, because we got you. Thanks for joining us for the Sales Leadership Podcast, your weekly pipeline to the most successful thought leaders and rainmakers in sales. Make sure to check out additional episodes at salesleadershippodcast.com. The Sales Leadership Podcast is produced by Brian Jepson and is sponsored by Exvoyant, the modern sales leadership platform for salesforce.com users. You can visit Exvoyant at exvoyant.com.